worship passage. And as I began working on this and, and looking at this, I, I went to Jake and said, you know, I, I don't want to really preach a sermon on worship. What I really want to have happen is I want Isaiah 6 to shape our worship on Sunday morning. So this morning is going to feel and look a little different. Uh, there'll be, uh, if you look at your program, you're not going to be able to, to follow with your eyes closed like we sometimes can in our worship program. Um, so it'll be a little different. We are going to be walking through the first part of Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah 6 is divided into two parts. The first part is vision. Uh, the second part is message. And we're going to really focus in on the vision that Isaiah had. The one that Isaiah responds to and says, Here I am, Lord, send me. Before we can get to that, we have to go through some other things. In fact, in verse 1, In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. In this time and place, the, the glory of God is gathered into the temple. But King Isaiah, what does that have to do with anything? I believe it's very important what's going on there. King Isaiah died in the years somewhere between 748 and 734 B.C. King Isaiah became king at 16 and reigned for 52 years. And now we are at the end of his death. And in Isaiah chapter 6, we read about the time that King Isaiah died. See, I believe that God speaks into the everyday life. Those mundane, just natural, naturally occurring moments. God speaks into the mundane of life. God speaks into birth, into prosperity, into weakness and in failings. God gathers us today to speak in the mundane moments of our life. And so here we are, gathered in the holiness of God. And when we gather in the holiness of God, it is anything but mundane. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time to be here, to be gathered here. And Father, we come from just our day-to-day lives. Father, there have been many moments this past week when we have not even acknowledged or recognized your presence, but you've been there. In every minute of our life. And Father, today, just like Isaiah was gathered, we don't believe that we came here by accident. Father, I believe that you have gathered us here. And I believe that you are here in your glory and your majesty and your holiness. Father, help us. Be with us as we join together and worship in the beauty and majesty of who you are. Help us to not miss the things that you want to do during this time and place. In Jesus' name, amen.
Have you ever been totally overwhelmed? Been in that time and place where everything around you, the circumstances, the setting, everything around you just becomes larger than life and you become smaller and smaller and smaller and you're just totally overwhelmed. I'll tell you about one of those times for me. Um, Go ahead and have that slide here. Uh, This is my home church in Ira, Texas. A uh, little bitty place there. My dad and I take care of the, uh, took care of the, the yard way back in the day. Uh, and that is where I grew up. And we were there every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday, uh, and a lot of times in between. That was, that was home away from home, but that was it. But in 1987, in November of 1987, Shelly and I were in, working in East Texas in Marshall, and we had talked to some people out here about a youth ministry job that was open, and we came out here and met Mitch Freeman out on this front parking lot, and he walked, and even as I was walking around the front, uh, the side of this building, I was going, what in the world are we doing? And we walked in this door right here and stood right over there. And I remember walking into this place, and at that time it was all, all, everything was blue and red carpet. Some of y'all remember that. We walked in and I went, what am I doing? What in the world am I doing? The, the uh, auditorium, the worship, uh, we couldn't even call it a worship center. The, the auditorium, the space that we worshiped in there, uh, it's about the size of our chapel. And I walked in here and went, There are more people in this room right now than there are in Ira, Texas. (laughs) This is, uh, there's no building in Ira that's this size. The closest thing was probably the cotton gin, and it no longer exists. And so I walked in here, and I was like, I had no words. I felt totally unprepared for what was ahead of me. That doesn't even begin to grasp what Isaiah must have felt in this vision, in this throne room, in the temple. As God gathers the angelic, the heavenly court. And God brings Isaiah there and begins to reveal to him. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 2 through 5, listen to this. Seraphim were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they flew. And one called to another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, I am lost. Some versions say undone, some say I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah's not just hearing this. He's, he's not just seeing it with his eyes. He's not just feeling it. He's not just tasting it. It is his entire being 
is being struck by the power and the majesty and the holiness of God. Let's talk about some of those. Sight. Now, often when we think of, of angels and we talk about cherubim, and, and you think cherubs, right? Aren't cherubs supposed to be cute? Isn't that like, don't you have like this little cute image when you think of cherubs and, and cherubim? And you think maybe the little naked babies with wings, I don't know. But we, we get this, oh, isn't that cute? These are seraphim. Seraphim is the highest order of angels in the heavenly court. Now, nobody was there with their iPhone to take a picture of it. There were no Polaroids back then. But we have some, some ideas, some history from the, the gods of the ancient Near East and from the religions and what people depicted, thought of when they thought of seraphim. Word, a word that would have communicated to the audience of Isaiah. That is anything but cute and sweet. There is nothing about that image that brings me comfort. And yet here they are all in that space. Now after the first service I had somebody come up and say, don't leave that picture up very long. It's really kind of frightening. So go ahead and take the picture off. There we go. Um, but it is, yeah. And so Isaiah is seeing that. He's seeing the robe of God. The robe, the, the hem is filling the temple. He's seeing smoke. It's interesting to note that Isaiah is not seeing more than he is seeing. There is more hidden from Isaiah in this scene than actually what he's seeing because of the smoke is clouding and actually protecting him from the full glory of God. The hem is protecting him from the full glory of God. All of this stuff is just assaulting his senses. The smell. The temple is filled with smoke. And so even the smell is of what's going on is affecting him. And even the taste. You've been around a campfire, you, you know you can begin to taste even the smoke after a while. And so it's the sight and the smell and the taste and the sound. As the seraphim are crying out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The full earth, the whole earth is filled with his glory. Holy, holy, holy draws us to the idea that this is speaking to the Trinity of God, the fullness of God. This is not just God the Father, not just God the Son. God the Father, Son, and Spirit. Holy, 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 the seraphim are crying out to the Trinity. The whole fullness of God. And even what they say is the whole earth is filled with your glory. They're drawing us the fact that God's glory extends to all of creation. And everything has come together in this place. And Isaiah is taking it in. And the fullness of God is so strong and so present that the very foundations are shaking. You ever been an earthquake? They happened a little more recently around here than they used to. I've been in a few little ones up around Snyder back in the day. It's like, wow, that's kind of weird. 
But the foundations is shaking. Not because of something that's coming from underneath the ground, but because of the sound and the presence of God shaking everything. And Isaiah looks at that. And he is totally overwhelmed. Now, uh, I've been reading and thinking about this passage for a while. But I've got to tell you, Friday night, I, I had a dream Friday night. And my dream is nothing like Isaiah's vision. Um, but I woke up Saturday morning, yesterday morning, in a cold sweat. Because when I was in high school, I was in theater and went to college and pursued theater for a while. Before I moved over to ministry. And I had this dream early yesterday morning that my high school theater teacher had come to me and said, Kevin, I'm doing this big play, this big production, and I want you to take one of the lead roles in it. And it's in three weeks. Okay. Well, the three weeks passes, and we get to, we are just hours before the opening curtain. And I'm sitting there, and I'm I'm like, frightened and then we move to the place and I look and it's this huge theater and there are thousands of people and I turn to Shelly and I have my script and I say I know absolutely none of my lines I don't even know this story and literally this is the truth yesterday morning I woke up in a cold sweat and I was like oh thank goodness it was just a dream But I was totally undone. This scene that Isaiah is seeing, everything that he's experiencing, leaves him just crumbled to his knees. It would be as if you're standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon. And someone says, you got to jump across this thing. Or if you're standing on the beach and someone tells you that you've got to swim across the Pacific Ocean. Or your or high school students, maybe uh, it's when you get that test that you know you hadn't studied for. And it's actually even harder than you thought it was going to be. It's that kind of thing. Or you're, you're standing in the, and looking at the night sky and someone says, your task is to name all the stars. Or the Sahara Desert and they say and count every grain of sand. That's got to be at least the beginning of what Isaiah is feeling when he is just assaulted. By the power and majesty of God. But how does he respond? He is totally overwhelmed. His response is twofold. First, he responds to the majesty and the holiness of God. And you can't miss that. Don't miss the majesty of And the holiness and the power of God that is filling the scene. But then he also responds to his own sinfulness. He says, I am a man of unclean lips. And I live in a people of unclean lips. What in the world does unclean lips have to do with it? It's this. The things that proceed from our mouth have first taken root in our hearts. Isaiah is speaking about his lips, no doubt, but he is also speaking to the heart, to his own heart, to the heart of the people. And you go back and you look at Isaiah chapter 2, 3, 4, and 5, and you see the depravity of the people. And you see a people 
that has become arrogant and prideful and have set themselves above everyone else. You see a people who is now calling that which is good evil and that which is evil good. You see a people who's putting down and oppressing others. And Isaiah comes together in this place in the holiness of God and he cannot keep from facing his sinfulness and the sinfulness of the people. What about us? To become aware to, uh, about the holiness of God demands that we have to stop and listen. I don't, this may be the longest some of you have sat still since you were in this pew last week. And so I want to ask you a question. Actually, I'm going to ask myself a question. When was the last time I was attentive? When I really paid attention to the holiness of God? When was the last time I stopped and allowed God's fullness and God's presence to overwhelm me? See, it demands that we stop and we be still and we listen. We don't like to do that, do we? We don't like to stop and be still and listen. Now, we say it's because we're too busy, and we are. It's, we say it's because we are so easily distracted, and we are. But I wonder if what's true for me is also true for you. And that is, I'm really just afraid to be still and listen. Because when we are still, all of those things about us become bubble, bubble up to the surface. That's what happened with Isaiah. There are two things happening here. The gloriness, the majesty, the holiness of God is descending and filling that place. And as that's happening in Isaiah, his sinfulness, his weakness is beginning to bubble to the surface. And when those things bubble to the surface, we are compelled to deal with it. Now again, note, there are two things happening. God's holiness, God's power, God's presence, and Isaiah's sinfulness. For us, God's holiness, God's power, God's presence, and our sinfulness coming together. One without the other doesn't work. If it's just our own sinfulness that bubbles forth and there is no power, there is no God, there is no holiness, then we are left totally broken and we are ruined and we are helpless and hopeless. End of game, story over. Or if it is just God's holiness and God's goodness and we never face our own weakness, our own sin, then we have what some philosophers and theologians call moralistic therapeutic deism. That's a big phrase, which basically means this. God set things in motion. He's out there somewhere detached. He's not involved in anything we do. He just wants you to be good and play nice and be happy. That's not what was happening in Isaiah chapter 6. Two things. God's holiness, our weakness, our sinfulness. But Isaiah had to stop. Isaiah was busy like us. 
But I have to believe that as he's going about his life and he comes to that place and that moment and that time and that vision, I believe he stopped in his tracks. And he listened. And so this morning, we're going to listen. A little awkward for us. But we're going to take just a little bit of time here. And I'm going to ask you to be still. And listen, now I'm going to give you some things, specific things to think about and reflect on. Here we go. Now, oh, the busyness of your life. And if you have to close your eyes to do this, feel free to do that. Business of your life. Take a moment and reflect on the un comprehensible goodness of God the incredible creativity of God that made you so very different from that person you're sitting next to the God who is so artistic in nature that he gives us he paints a new sunrise and sunset every day the God who is beyond our understanding in his goodness and faithfulness and holiness. Think about that God. And this is the uncomfortable part. Because I'm asking us also to think and reflect on our own weakness, our own sinfulness, those things that distract us from who God is and what he wants us to be. In the quietness of this moment, let those things bubble to the surface. There is no place in all of creation that is more safe for our sinfulness to come to the surface than the presence of a holy God. I ask you just to be quiet for another moment. And then Jake's going to lead us in a song. And then we have a, a break in here. We're going to let our children go out. And then after that, we're going to sing some more. And at that time, we're going to have an opportunity for our shepherds to be on the sides to pray with you. Take advantage of that. If those things are bubbling to the surface, take some time to be with one another in the presence of a holy God. So there's Isaiah. He has, again, not seen more than he has seen. As God has even protected himself from his total fullness. But Isaiah is just incredibly aware of the power and the holiness of God. Aware of his own sinfulness, his own weakness. 
And what happens next just blows my mind. Because there's all this stuff going on and Isaiah says, I'm a man of unclean lips. And one of those scary, fiery, six-winged creatures turns and looks at him and then flies to the altar and grasps a burning coal. And here it is in in chapter 6, verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. This has got to be frightening. And the seraphim touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. See, that's what happens when we allow that sinfulness of who we are to bubble to the service and we're open with it and we openly bring it before God and we say, God, we are unclean. We are ruined. We are undone. The holiness of God consumes. And now, as we come to this table, the table of the Lord, in just a moment, we're going to take the bread and we're going to drink the cup And I want you to hear, even as you do that, that God is calling you by name. And as that bread touches your lips and as that cup touches your lips, your sin is blotted out. Your guilt is taken away. That is what happens when we allow our weakness to be laid bare before the holiness of God. So there it is. We didn't speak about Isaiah chapter 6. We worshiped through Isaiah chapter 6. Now there's a message that he's given, and the message is surprising. I would encourage you to go look at that message this afternoon and reflect on that. It's an interesting and powerful message. But we dealt with the vision And I said we would begin with, here am I, send me. But we had to go through some things to really get there. So we're going to be back there at here am I, send me. I want to just go back and recap. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty. The hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphims were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, with two their feet, and with two they flew. And one cried to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the pivots on the threshold shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphims flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraphim touched my mouth with it and said, now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. It occurs to me that often when we let that bubble to the surface and we go to someone and we confess to them, what we say is, we will pray with you. And that is very, very important. But what we desperately need to hear is, 
your sins are forgiven. So please hear that this morning. Your sins, my sins, our sins, by the blood of Jesus, are forgiven. And so now the sending. God filled the temple with his glory, and even now he fills the earth with his glory. There is not a molecule in all of creation that was not made by God. There is not man, woman, or child that does not reflect the glory of God. There is not one single person, friend, acquaintance, or even enemy that does not bear the image of God. And so as we leave here, I believe that God says, who will go for us? Just as he said to Isaiah, when he said, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. Now hear the voice of the Lord saying, who will I send? Who will go for us? And it is my prayer that we can all faithfully declare as we go out into this world to bear testimony to the power and the goodness and the holiness of God that every one of us, as we leave here, will say, Here am I, Lord. Send me.